Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, then we going to be looking at the news which the news is almost entirely coronavirus there's everybody's locked down in their houses from south africa to australia to nigeria to the united states uh, because we've quarantined the planet for a virus that is going to go everywhere anyway They're not stopping the virus with this quarantine. They've admitted that from the beginning. They've said that from the beginning. They've said that just recently. And uh, so all they're doing is slowing it down so that we don't fill too many beds in the hospital or use too many resources. Now, they're running out of masks, but it's not because all kinds of people are sick. It's because all kinds of people are afraid to get sick of a virus that may have one of the lowest death rates of any major virus that's come along in the last century. At least that's what it appears by the actual statistics that are coming out of the medical professionals and researchers. So what is the pandemic? It's a pandemic of fear. It's not a pandemic of a virus. Yes, some people are going to die. Uh, whether you had this virus or not, some people were going to die. Yeah, will some people die that would not have died? Probably. But viruses come and go, been coming and going for thousands of years. You can go back to ancient times when the Roman centurions came back from fighting wars in, uh, I think it was in Carpathia. And they brought something that appeared to be smallpox. And it spread rapidly through the Roman people because of the fact that there was no immunity to this particular disease. It had developed somewhere else in the world and people didn't travel around so much to go from Carpathian nation to Rome was not very common and it took a long time. So if you got sick on the way and it was a lethal sickness, you would die. If it didn't kill you, then you got immunity and then you didn't spread it to somebody else. But as trade routes sped up, more people got sick because the viruses could travel. And then, of course, we had the bubonic plague where the virus traveled in rats because the virus wasn't actually in the rats. You didn't get it from the rats. You got it from the fleas on the rats. And uh, so when it the rats traveled around and the fleas traveled around and a rat died and the fleas left the rat looking for another host and, of course, it got on people and... And people got the bubonic plague because fleas were everywhere. And all they needed was flea powder. And they could have maybe done something about it or got rid of the rats. But uh, when if they look to somebody to get rid of the rats for the, you, then, uh, then you might get into another problem, which was the Pied Piper of Hamlin. If you look on our book, Covenants of the Gods, that's the picture on the front of the Covenants of the Gods. It was the Pied Piper of Hamlin who could go and play his pipe and he could get all the crows to follow him and he could get all the rats to follow him and he 
hired on to the government to solve their problem, the problem of the people. And uh, he let all the rats into the water and drowned them. And that's the story. And But then they didn't pay him. They, they defaulted on their payment to him. And so he ended up leading all the children away and they supposedly go into a mountain and disappear. And they lost all their children because they couldn't pay the Pied Piper who had solved their problem and then created another problem that was worse than ever. No children in the little hamlet. But anyway, so what does that have to do with what's going on today? Well, I don't think the virus is what is the big problem here. Is it incompetence? Is it conspiracy? Is it corruption? You know, like uh, actually Kissinger said this, but somebody else said it before me. I can't remember, but I have the quote on our coronavirus page. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And so we have this crisis of a new virus. The reality is we have new viruses every year. That's why Wuhan was built. All the hospitals and the storage units were built in Wuhan is to look for new viruses. Because if you find a new virus that's coming and it it poses an actual threat because all the viruses are different. They're just DNA strands that have come, uh, kind of gathered in a little ball with little proteins sticking on the outside of them. And uh, they're so tiny, you they you can't even hardly see. Well, you can't see them with a microscope. You have to have like an electron microscope to see them. And uh, they're not even alive. They have no homeostasis. You know, some people were saying, I saw a number of videos of things going around that viruses don't exist. And that this virus may not even exist. And the reality is, I I do believe it exists because I see the pattern in the behavior of the people. I think I've already had the coronavirus. Most of the people in my family have already had it. And that is really kind of a major story that people have to get through, is that most people in, well, we know Oxford, you know, we've got this, we put it out before, that the Oxford specialists who have been building a machine to test for the actual antibodies to the virus and the uh, and the virus the presence of the virus and antigens in the body so they can tell if you've got it and they can tell if you haven't got it now just recently circulated amongst uh, politicians in the state of Oregon and actually a lot of that started here is that the uh, the uh, coronavirus test They've been saying, well, we're going to test this person. We're going to test that person. It isn't virus specific. It, it, it can't really, if you're asymptomatic, it may not even know that you have been sick. As a matter of fact, when they were on board the Diamond Princess ship and they were testing people, they would test one person one day. It, they, they, they might test somebody three times in the same week and get different results. Because it's not really testing for the coronavirus. This is a shock to most people because the, somebody says we're testing for it. And you think they're going to know once they have taken this test. And some doctors are saying the test is 80% gives a false reading. Some say only 30%. Most agree who are in the business of ex- using these tests. And not just 
prescribing them like doctors in a doctor's office, but actual people who are down there where the rubber meets the road when it comes to testing, they're saying it could be wrong 20% of the time. It's it, And it's not virus-specific. It could be something else they're seeing in you. The reason they use it, it's, it's categorized as a diagnostic tool. They look at all the symptoms, and that lines up with coronavirus, and then they try this test, and that says, well, they are, do have a virus. They're not just faking the symptoms. <laughs> and they say, okay, you have coronavirus. But that is not a guarantee because it isn't that kind of test. And people are surprised when they find that out. Politicians were, this last week, were shocked when they found that out. Uh, uh, a lot of the information that we've been accumulating, I'm not a doctor, I'm kind of an investigative journalist. because Usually I'm investigating history, but now we're investigating the making of history, which is... This whole thing about the coronavirus. Now, uh, Tucker Carlson, you know, he's an actual, he's, he's not really a full-fledged journalist either, but he does report a little bit more like a journalist than most of the reporters you see out there on most of the other stations. He isn't 100% right. I see a little bit of kingdom tracks in his life, but he's still looking to the government. But then he occasionally says, you know, the people have to take responsibility. But the point is, he just put out a story questioning Fauci. And he, he goes, you know, his research team, I'm sure he's not doing all this. He's got lots of help. I, I'm just here in this office. <laughs> but we do have a lot of people on the network. And they do feed me things from time to time. And I'd like to see more people join the network. Because that's what we should be doing. A voluntary system, a government of the people, for the people, and by the people is a voluntary network of people working together, not only to help one another, but to find the truth. And that's what you need. And finding part of the truth is not finding the whole truth. And you need to find the whole truth and provide for it. And a lot of people, you know, they think they have found the truth and they put it on Facebook and people like it and they think they've done something. Well, they've done something, but they haven't done what they needed to do. You have to actually become physically involved with the life of others and care about the lives of others. We have, we've atrophied in that muscle of society. We, we don't care about others, which is why people are ripping three, four, five bags of toilet paper off the shelf and, and going out of the store or traveling around in a, uh, stock trailer buying up every roll of toilet paper in every town they come to. I mean, that's actually people are doing that. They did that in our little county. And, and the people sitting behind the, the counter just sold them all the toilet paper in the whole town. The only store in the town that carrying toilet paper, they sold it all to somebody from out of town with a stock trailer full of toilet paper. What are they thinking? Well, we haven't been thinking. We haven't been thinking for years. But anyway, back to the Tucker Carlson story where he shows that Fauci, who is this main advisor, well-credentialed guy, got lots of degrees, been an administrator for years. Well, that's nice. And he may be a nice guy, but when he started, he said this was no, no more significant than the annual flu. 
that we shouldn't worry and it's not a big deal. And then a few days later, he's saying it's okay to go to the Super Bowl, that there's no problem with that, which is a mass number of people to go to it. And personally, I think it was okay to go to the Super Bowl. Except I wouldn't go to the Super Bowl because <laughs> I have no interest in going to the Super Bowl. But if you want to go, that would have been fine. But then they're saying that was a breeding ground, spreading it all throughout the people in the Super Bowl, which I guess was in Florida, which may be partly why Florida has a lot of cases. But the reason Florida has a lot of cases is the availability of the virus, and that may have been contributed by the Super Bowl because a lot of people got it. But... It's because it's a huge, vast retirement community in parts of Florida. And so, therefore, that's where you see the cases where people are immune compromised because of age, because of high blood pressure, because of diabetes, because they're overweight, because they're sedentary, because they smoke. All these things make you more susceptible you know, and one of the things I pointed out to somebody, and people took it as, you know, I'm, I'm being humorous, but I'm trying to show people the ridiculousness of this whole thing, is that 300,000 people will die this year from obesity. They will categorize their cause of death obesity. And obese people are more likely to have a problem with coronavirus. And and there's a number of reasons why that is. It has to do with the fact that they're obese and it affects their circulation and you have cells and fat cells where you don't need them. And and uh, so you could have a problem with coronavirus and it could cause your death. Right now, they'll probably put your death down as coronavirus, not obesity. Because, I mean, that's what they're doing. If somebody has a heart condition or a lung condition, they get the coronavirus. They said, oh, they died of the coronavirus. Not the fact that they smoked for 50 years and wrecked their lungs so that the coronavirus caused them to tip over into the afterlife. But they'll say it was the coronavirus that killed them. But the the reality is, is a lot of these people are the endangered people and they should have already quarantined themselves personally away from this. Of course, the people who have been eating too much or eating poor diets or smoking or doing these other things or, or not taking care of their health, a lot of times you can lower high blood pressure by diet and exercise and meditation and many people have done that uh, but if you don't care I know people who are diabetic and they want to eat what they want to eat they don't want to change their diet one bit they just give themselves insulin shots and of course some of the people I've known like that are dead now other people I know have changed their diet and they lowered the, the amount of insulin they've taken and they've actually improved their health and they're doing great because they looked at they were willing to sacrifice to improve the health of their personal body well that's what we need to do in the world today is we need to learn how to personally sacrifice to improve the health of society in which we live because we're like each individual is like a cell 
in the body of society. We talk about the body of Christ. A lot of people think they're a part of the body of Christ because they go to church and they talk about Jesus. But that doesn't make you a part of the body of Christ. And Jesus warned that a lot of people would go around using his name and saying they're Christians and saying they're doing great things in the name of Christ. And they thought they were, but they were actually workers of iniquity. We've got articles up to show you exactly how you could be a worker of iniquity and think you're saved and not be saved. And actually, Jesus would say, get ye from me, I know you not. You don't want to be one of those Christians who think they're Christians and are not. They believe they are. They go to pastors who tell them they are. And so, therefore, they must be Christians. But in reality, they're doing the opposite of what Christ said. But anyway, back to Tucker Carlson talking about Fauci, that he was saying this was not a problem. But it ended up supposedly being a problem. And we had institutes coming out with projections. Computer models. If it's a computer model, it must be right because computers are so smart. <laughs> right? Like all the weather predictions for the last 20, 30, 40 years that have been completely wrong. Or the ones that were back in the 1970s that said we should have been in an ice age now for 20, 30 years already. And instead we're saying that we're in global warming and that the temperatures are going to, you know, all the poles are going to melt and we'll all have flooded oceans. But that was supposed to take place 20 years ago. But it's not. It didn't. The, almost all those computer models have been completely wrong about what the temperature is going to be next year. It didn't happen. It, that's not what... Uh, they were wrong. They need to be rethought, rewritten, or scrapped. There have been some computer models that have been right, fairly close to right about temperatures, as right as the weatherman gets, far more correct than what we have been told by the ones that everybody's listening to, but nobody wants to look at those. They don't want to look at those computer models and see what the difference is because they're on this mass hysteria about climate change. And now they jump from that mass hysteria to the mass hysteria about coronavirus. Somebody posted something, somebody I've known since he was a little kid, that... Uh, that uh, what if you saw somebody going into a restaurant, a crowd of people going into a restaurant, would you turn them in? And of course, some people were saying yes, absolutely, because we the coronavirus is killing people. Lots of things are killing people. Eating too much is killing people. Like I said, three hundred thousand people are going to die because of obesity. If what they're saying is right, anytime you see a fat person eating pie, you need to stop them and turn them into the obesity police. And we need to quarantine them away from food. Because people are going to die because they're overweight. They, you, you have the right, evidently now, somewhere it came along, I'm sure it wasn't in the Constitution, the right to take away the right of an individual to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness if you think they're doing something that might cause their death. That's what you think. 
You think you have the right to quarantine the whole world. People are actually dying already in the quarantine. People are actually locked in their homes in China and died in their homes. People, uh, somebody I guess was shot in uh, South Africa because he was supposed to go back into his home. His home is a metal shack where he lives with 13, 14 other people. In the middle of the day in South Africa, going back into your home can kill you if you have a home like that. And of course, people didn't want to go, so the army made them go. And somebody got killed in the process. It's crazy. You can't go out to the beach. You can maintain social distances on the beach. Viruses can't hardly survive out there on the beach, in the sun, in the dry sand, in the salt water. That is a good place to go, to be in out in the open in the sun where you get a healthy environment. The reality is this virus, according to the people at Oxford, according to the people at Mount Angel, according to other people, has already been traveling through society at a rapid rate. And the problem is, which we knew way back at the Diamond Princess, that most of the people who get it, now this is on the Diamond Princess where most everybody is over the age of 60. There's a lot of people that are overweight, a lot of people that are diabetic, a lot of people that have health issues. It is not the general society where you have children and people at 20 and 30 and 40 years of age. They're not on that ship. It's just all old people. And yet half the people had either no symptoms at all, got the virus, had no symptoms at all, and, or, had mild symptoms, so they didn't even know they had the flu. Or they had moderate symptoms where they had the flu, but they would never go to a doctor. They just had moderate symptoms. There was only a few people that got really sick, and only two people out of over, what, I think there were 1,400 people on that ship, that died. That's a very small percentage of deaths amongst only old people. But, of course, if you get 330 million people together, then that's a lot of people. You could end up with a thousand deaths, and it would still only be a tiny, tiny little percent. And then did they die because they were obese, because they were diabetic? You know, when you say uh, diabetics are vulnerable to this. Everybody who's a diabetic is not more vulnerable to this. Some people who are diabetic... They can't even heal their own tissue. They have to have limbs amputated. They're, they're going blind because their diabetes has affected the health of their body so bad. Those are the ones who are extremely vulnerable. Uh, an average diabetic, he, he might be in pretty good health. So, how bad is this virus? What's, why are we shutting down the entire planet? What is really going on? Well, there's a lot of things that nobody's looking at because everybody's looking at the coronavirus. We have to get over this fear and anxiety about the virus. We'll be back.
So, welcome back to Keith of the Kingdom. I heard a man say the other day that he would rather uh, get the coronavirus and even die rather than take away the future of his children. And I thought that was an interesting statement because he kind of sees the future of his children going away as the economy is crippling down and crumbling. Uh, so what is really going on with this uh, coronavirus and and uh, what we're seeing as the coronavirus and uh, what the government is finding as a solution? Now, again, I think there are other things going on. I think there certainly is corruption. I think there are a lot of the media that is not in love with the truth but are using this and what they imagine or what they try to get everybody else to imagine to get ratings, to uh, promote a political agenda or philosophy. You know, we've seen the I hate Trump media for uh, years now. And uh, while Trump certainly has lots of room for uh, criticism, and uh, but most of the criticism that is thrown at him is just nonsense. It's just bogus. It's just invented. Instead of focusing on some real issues that you could say that that would be constructive criticism, they've just gone bat crazy about, you know, uh, going after him and trying to accuse him of all kinds of things. So, I mean, they attack his wife and attack his his son. and, And what is that all about? We've never done that kind of stuff. Uh, even though, I mean, some first ladies had things you could criticize. Oh, but they were, they walked on water, but for some reason they're so hateful towards Trump that they are skewing and biasing and not really focusing on the real issues that might, might need constructive criticism. But what's happened, according to one person who was saying this to me, uh, said, what they have done is sent everybody to their room while they went out and robbed the bank. So, you know, we hear about the two trillion dollars, two trillion dollars. That's a lot of dollar bills stacked up. I mean, that would just go on and on. You're talking semis of money. Two trillion dollars to aid people in this fight against coronavirus, and we'll revisit the coronavirus to find out how how inaccurate the predictions were. But they're going to issue two trillion dollars. Of course, they they're borrowing this two trillion dollars. It's coming from the Federal Reserve, and because they don't have the money, because they're already in debt. We know we the national debt is way up here in the national debt. And somebody says, well, we can just print money. It's not like we owe it to anybody. No, that isn't the way it works. It hasn't worked that way for a hundred years. And somebody uh, must have gone to public school because they don't know what they're talking about. But anyway, they're going to borrow these two trillion dollars to help out the people. And you might get a check for $1,250. And uh, the unemployment, they're going to help out with unemployment. Some people will actually make more on unemployment than they were making in their jobs. 
That's the way it works out, the way they've done this, which is crazy. Nobody's tightening their belts. I understand that regular unemployment might not be enough to get people through because they've overextended themselves or they didn't have much of a wage to begin with and all that, and so maybe you could help them out. But the reality is we don't need to do any of that stuff because we don't need to quarantine the whole nation or the whole world. We don't need to call out military troops. I'm sure that somebody said they've called up, or at least talk about calling up as many as a million troops. What is that all about for Corona? They're not keeping social spacing. If this virus is so deadly, it's going to be running through the troops like nobody's business because they're going to be putting them in barracks and they're going to be marching next to each other less than six feet apart. Uh, you can't go to the beach, but they can take hundreds of thousands of troops and put them together in barracks. And they're not going to have this gigantic plague where everybody's going to die. The, the death rate didn't exist amongst 60-year-olds that we should get all concerned. Yes, you know, we'll get into the hospital bed thing. But the reality is, Tucker Carlson, I think, said it in another uh, thing. I've known it for some time. I can tell you all kinds of things about the amount of hospital beds. You know why hospitals only have the amount of beds they have? Because they're federally regulated not to have more beds. Why did the federal government take the time to make a regulation to keep hospitals from putting in extra beds into a hospital to take care of overflow. Why Why would they do that? It's because the federal government pays the Medicare and Medicaid and all those kinds of things. And if they let them put in more hospital beds, there'd be more elective surgeries and there'd be more money going out by the federal government. So they, the way of restricting that, they restricted the number of beds in hospitals. It's a federal regulation. Somebody went to the time to pass that. What was the motivation? Save money. That's because you 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 do have a government controlled health care. Some people are clamoring to have more government control in their health care. Some people are actually saying we don't want any government control in our health care. Now there there was one thing that Trump put out and it gets very little press is that he was I don't know if it's ever going to come about now because it's all just kind of washed under the coronavirus was medical accountability. But of course, we could have done that without the federal government. If we had got together like Christ said to get together, and we were actually doing what Christ commanded us to do, we could go to hospitals and say, we want transparency in billing. We want transparency transparency in what it will cost to have this elective surgery or that surgery or this treatment done. What do you charge? Put it in a list. You have a list. I know somebody who is dealing with a hospital. I've talked about this before. And they they were going to the hospital and they wanted a certain test done. So they want to know how much the test costs. So they talked to one person. They ended up talking to a person that said it was giving them all these prices. Oh, this oh this test costs this much. This test costs this much. This test costs this much. So then they scheduled the tests. And they were going to go in and everything. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in the process, they found out, wait a minute, this test costs ten times, twice as much as what you said on the phone. And they said, no, this is what it costs. And he said, that's not what you told me on the phone. Well, what did they tell you? And she gave the price that they told her. And they said, they're not supposed to give that price out. 
what? You mean there's two sets of prices? One the public gets to see and the other one the doctor gets to see? Because the doctor gets a kickback on every test he sends you in for that ends up doubling or even tripling or even, you know, I mean, some of them are really ridiculous. I mean, doubling is ridiculous. Uh, so I guess they're super ridiculous. But you don't get to see those prices. But that's the actual cost of the tests. They don't let you see those prices. That's why doctors have big boats. Because there isn't transparency in the pricing. We could have fixed that as a people if we came together. And if we came together as a people, anybody taking three gigantic bags of toilet paper off the shelf would have been shunned by everybody in the store. The people at the register said, what are you doing? You don't need that much. Stop. Put that back. We would have done that because we would have had character. We would have had morality in our lives. We would have cared about our neighbor. The next customer comes in. We don't, nobody needs four bags of 24 rolls of toilet paper. Nobody needs that. Now, if you want to stock up, buy an extra one next time you're in the store. You know, buy an extra one every time you go to the store and stock up. And then you can, you can actually put Use it as insulation around your house eventually. And you won't burden society and you won't deprive your neighbor of anything. That's called stocking up. That's not called hoarding. That's stocking up. That's actually creating creating more income for somebody. But when you go in and clean off the shelf, you're a selfish pig. That's what you are. You're a selfish pig because you don't care about the next guy. You don't care about your neighbor. You're not a Christian. You can tell anybody carrying out all that stuff because they're panicking. They're not Christians because they don't care about their neighbor. That might not be able to, you know, I know people, you know, we we take care of old people and some of them will say, we always ask them, do you have enough of this? Do you have enough of that? And, and they says, oh, I still have enough. And we have to tell them now, don't wait till you're completely out and then say you need that. Because we might go to the store and it's not there. Because of all the unchristian people out there cleaning off the shelves to save themselves. Back to that father, he said, I would rather die than put my children in debt. So, two million dollars, two trillion dollars. You know, that's a lot. We just skipped over a billion <laughs> to get to trillion. But that's not all they spent. That's what they're going to share with you. It's going to go here and it's going to go there into businesses, to airlines. I mean, the airline industry is devastated. But there's actually $6 trillion that's being given out. Because the Federal Reserve is just... Four million dollars to take care of the banks. Because the bank, I mean, the whole banking system is now changed. All the way changed, and it's not changing back. Court systems have changed, and the, and the ruling is, is that it's not changing back even after the virus goes. Now they, they can arrest you, put you in jail, and you, you don't get a speedy trial. That's just gone. They can keep you in jail for a year without trial. You might not see a judge for a year. And you're in jail, locked up, in jail, prison, 
in a prison camp, whatever. I mean, this is their rules that they've come out. Did they tell you that even on Fox? Did you hear it ten times over like you hear on everything on the other channels? No. So $6 trillion, you can be arrested, put in jail for a year, never see a judge, and then you can actually be tried and never be in the same room as the judge, never be in the same room as the prosecutor, never be in the same room as the witnesses against you, never be in the same room as your jury. Because it can all be done by video now. Wow. Even after the threat of the virus goes. Because that's what they say. Did they tell you that in your news? That you've been looking to to stimulate your hate against this guy or that guy? No. They're not telling you that. So six trillion dollars, that's a lot. And that's going on the people because the people are a surety for the debt of the United States because of other things that they've done against the will of Christ, against the will of God, and contrary to what God has said from the beginning, they've gone out and become a surety for debt. So that debt is there and is placed on you and will be placed on your children after you die. Six trillion dollars. Added to what was already there, which was over $50,000 per person. I mean, when your children are born, there's $50,000 in debt placed on them. Well, you just added another $18,181.81. I I rounded it down to 81 cents. Because when you do the math, it actually comes out. If you see the numbers, it's 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18. That's what it comes out to. That was kind of. But so you get $1,000 though. But your children and your wife and you are an additional $18,000. So there's 10 people in your family. That's $181,000 placed on your family. But you get a check for $1,250. So, I mean, like, that's your tip. So I'll give you a tip. You need to think differently. Because something else is going on here. The whole of society is changing before our eyes. So, Fauci said there wasn't any problem. There's no different than the flu, but everybody says it is. But then now they, we look at these computer models, and the computer models tell us that, oh, we're going to be out of all these beds, and we're going to be short of all these beds, and we're... You know, in Kansas and everywhere else, they've never got anywhere close to that in most locations. Most locations, they have not got close to the amount of beds that they say you're going to need. And running out of supplies, it's mostly because of panic. You know, I mean, I could tell you stories that you wouldn't believe because people... You know, I get first-hand stories. And like I said, our coronavirus uh, article was used to draft a letter to senators and congressmen and uh, people in government all over Oregon. And and then shortly after we've been putting some of this stuff out uh, to people in government, and they're putting it out to... To others, then we hear things trickling back from high up in the government, you know, the federal senators and stuff like that, where they're, they're, because the cat's out of the bag. You know, broadcasting on these small radio stations and podcasts and everything, we don't have a gigantic network like Fox News or minor media. 
But that's your problem. Because see, you should be joining in a network so you can share this information. And then I can get feedback. I got feedback the other day that I had actually miscalculated something. And I had to fix that. But the miscalculation was, it, it was worse for them. <laughs> uh, my, my number, I, I thought I was, I thought the number was too low. The amount, the death rate, like on Diamond Princess, the death rate in, uh, uh, Great Britain based on their population and the amount of people that have already had the virus and the death rate, the death rate is like point zero 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 two. That's tiny. It's insignificant. You wouldn't even notice that on the regular flu deaths if you didn't, if somebody hadn't told you that the coronavirus is going around. Now, the, the thing about the coronavirus that is different than a lot of other viruses, it's a little bit faster traveling. And they, they love to draw this picture, you've seen it probably, that it will spread exponentially through society. Absolutely, it will spread exponentially through society until it bumps into members of society that have already had it. So when you come into society cold and nobody's had it, one person has it, he gives it to six. Those six people give it to six people a piece. That's 36 people. Those 36 people give it to six people uh, a piece, theoretically. And it spreads through all of society rapidly. Like it's no stopping, like it's a tidal wave coming over the dam. The problem is, is that if you had another person on the other side of the country that also had it, he would be doing the same thing. And when those people come into contact with each other, most of them will have already got the antibodies and they won't get it again, at least for 90 days. They say 90 days later, the antibodies still seem to be present in their body. Now, eventually those antibodies will decrease in their body. Now, the programming in their body to reproduce those antibodies will still be there if they get in contact again. But they could get a mild case again next year. And when they get that mild case again next year, because their antibodies against it are low, they will be contagious for a short period of time until their antibodies build back up and wipe it out. They already have the programming in them. That will stay in there maybe for years. In their body. Their body's doing this. Not the pharmaceutical companies. The pharmaceutical company that God gave you in your body will be protecting you. Unless next year you've gained 500 pounds and you're now obese or you started smoking or you have some other health issue. Then you may not recover. But chances are you will recover. But you will become contagious for a short period of time until, you know, some people it's a day, some people it's ten days. Because some people's systems work slower than others. If you're eating lots of sugar and carbohydrates and living a poor, you know, getting drunk and all kinds of things, your body may not act as fast in recovering from that. And you will can be contagious to other people. And those people that the virus missed the first time it came around, it will get them the second time. And then you have to quarantine people again. But you should not be quarantining healthy, strong people. Most of the people that are under quarantine in Great Britain have already had it, and they're not a danger. 
when that guy is spreading from East England to or East London to West London and the other guy from West London, when they come into contact with the people that have already had it, that six number doesn't exist anymore. They won't spread the contagious any faster. It's going to spread no matter what you do. They're just trying to slow it down because they worry about overwhelming the system because there's not enough beds. But in most hospitals throughout the entire nation, there has been enough beds because most people don't get sick enough to go to the hospital. Most people really don't get sick enough to even go to a doctor because it's not that serious of a flu. You know, when I originally put out the uh, thing on our webpage about the coronavirus, I uh, had some numbers based on uh, what was going on at the particular time. I've been putting this together. It goes on rather long. It's a rather long article, but I have it all sectioned off into different sections so that you can easily find it and share information. Just trying to dispel the insanity of this panic that's going through the country because we're ripe for fear because we've become a selfish people. What made America great, the part of America that was great, was we were unselfish. We took care of the poor and the needy ourselves. Go read our article on David Crockett at preparingyou.com. Find out what people were thinking, you know, 150 years ago. Because Americans don't think that way anymore. Americans think about what's good for me. What will I get out of it? They're not thinking about their neighbor. They don't love their neighbor as themselves. They can sit in their pew and say that. They can sit in their pulpits and say that. They don't. They simply don't. Because they they have lack knowledge. And in some cases they lack the heart of Christ. But they think they're saved. So anyway, some of the headlines that I have in that is, you know, coronavirus, pandemic, or panic. Uh, then uh, I have the audios on uh, the podcast. But then I have uh, news from the princess. That's from the Diamond Princess. I go through the analysis. I've read the analysis from the doctors who were investigating that. It was very interesting because of the fact that they had this closed environment in this ship, and they were testing these people. Now, the tests back then were not as good. I believe they didn't only use the qPCR test, but also the uh, uh, the uh, RT-PCR test, uh, which was a part, actually, those are a part of the same operation, uh, which is a quantitative test. It's not a virus-specific test. But they they can also use other tests that are more complex in, in dealing with it. But now they have machines, they've had them since the 1st of March, that where you put in blood samples, not just mucus samples out of somebody's uh, sinuses, but blood tests, and those blood tests can actually detect the antibodies. Now, they didn't have that on the Diamond Princess yet, but they did have other tests. But the reality is, is they had extremely low death rate amongst the most vulnerable population. I wouldn't say the absolute most vulnerable, because the absolute most vulnerable population is in the hospitals. 
uh, you know, people that, that are already ex- extremely ill or in convalescent homes, which is what we had in Washington. Another one is silent cure. Well, a silent cure is the fact that God has given you a body that can produce those antibodies. You know, vaccines don't cure anybody. They don't heal anybody. They generate, they stimulate your system to produce antibodies. That's what they do. And your it's because your system doesn't stimulate itself fast enough. With some people, they have antibodies within a few days. Spread it throughout their body and they just, they just cut it off and they don't even get symptoms because it goes so quick in their body. Other people, it may take 14 days, uh, for them to start producing those antibodies and they may have mild system, uh, symptoms. They, that some might have what they call medium symptoms or moderate symptoms, but only a few get really sick and only very, very few die. And all those who die, did they die of the coronavirus or obesity? Did they die of coronavirus or diabetes? Did they die of coronavirus or because they smoked for 50, 60 years? You know, why did they die? Well, they'll blame it on the coronavirus and you'll think, oh my gosh, look at, there's more people who have died. And, and, you know, they find one case of somebody, uh, a small child who died of coronavirus in Chicago, and they make a big deal. It's headline news. 320 million Americans and one kid dies in, you know, kids die all the time in Chicago getting shot. And they say no pre-existing conditions. Well, let me go in there as an investigative reporter and say, okay, what's the history of this kid? Did he have say, his vaccines, his vaccinations within the month before he was exposed to the coronavirus. We know that being exposed to other vaccines at the same time you get an infection, sometimes it can actually help you because your system is stimulated, but sometimes it can hurt you, keep you from developing your natural immunity because it's so busy Because of the vaccinations. Because the vaccination stimulates your system to protect you from other diseases. In a small child, that can cause that child system to overburden itself. And it can't even fight off a real infection that comes in. But if I asked that in a hospital, everybody would be shoving me out the door. Because it couldn't be that. But we don't know. But the reality is it's not a threat. But anyway, we'll go through some of this when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom, so stay tuned because we're going to try to get a little bit into the real problem. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So I was going through our coronavirus page at preparingyou.com, which has a load of information that uh, people found extremely informative. When we finally get people to go and look at it, you should try to get everybody else you know to look at that. And I'm just running through the things like the silent cure, and the silent cure is immunity that spreads. So we don't know in the in the Spanish flu that actually killed a lot of people. We know that a lot of people in the Spanish flu died. Historians will tell you this everywhere. And there's a, a variety of historians. Some of them are going back and looking, actually digging up the bodies and looking at the way in which they were treated, looking at all the other parameters in society. Diet was a major problem for people that got the Spanish flu. 
uh, conditions, living conditions, was a major problem with people who got the Spanish flu. Treatment, uh, both home treatments and uh, medical treatments, were causing the high death rates. They were prescribing things that were really, really bad. To, some of the things they prescribed by doctors all in Europe and in uh, at least in the East Coast, probably in, in the far West Coast like California. Uh, I don't know how many different places they were prescribing it, but you'd find it all over uh, the country that was killing the patients. The, what the doctors prescribed made things worse. And we see that from time to time today too. Doctors are not immune to medical error or medical ideas that are wrong. Any doctor who's giving somebody with coronavirus Advil or ibuprofen are probably killing them because those those medicines, and there's probably a big long list of others that I don't even know about, and people should be looking into this, uh, inhibit the production of certain enzymes which are necessary for the healing of the lungs because this virus is only looking for type 2 cells in your lungs. And that's what it can attach to. Now, if it mutates, maybe it can go for type 1 and type 2. And that's what is likely to happen if we don't get to this quickly. The idea of delay is probably going to cause a devastating side effect. Because the diseases, the way things are designed, it needs to go through society quickly. While people are at their, those that are immune already are at their maximum immunity. Now you can do some self-quarantining of yourself. You can certainly do better uh, habits when you go around and you're out there in the public and using public restrooms that you wash your hands, all those things. That's probably a good idea. Don't go crazy with it because you're probably going to get exposed anyway. So some delay may be good with these fast-acting viruses. but And then certainly don't be going and kissing grandma and all those kinds of things. She doesn't need a lifetime of immunity. She's an older person. She needs protection now. And and same way with grandpa and anybody else with immune compromise. But the idea of shutting in Sweden, they're not doing this. You know, they're telling people to protect themselves, but the kids are still going to school. People are still going to work. Their death rate is a little bit higher, but we're still in the process. And so, you know, a little bit higher than some of the other countries. But this is their spike. They get through this spike and it may drop off. In six months, we go back and look at the death rate. And we may find that Sweden had a much smaller death rate. Now, the death rate is still very tiny Amongst a population that size. And, and we cover, well, we, I actually didn't use Sweden yet. It's too early because we're right in the middle of the process. But that's what happened when, uh, I, you know, I wrote about, you know, Clive Cook, science editor, you know, who writes coronavirus may have infected half of the UK population. Uh, Oxford study where he reveals that the new epidemiological models suggests that the vast majority of the people suffer little or no illness. Herd immunity, he says, 
is reached if we get over 60%. Well, half is 50%. 60% isn't that much more. So anyway, I wrote and pointed out that half of, you know, half of the people of England, 33 million people, uh, have they've already had the virus. And at that particular time, which was March 17th, which is when the announcement was coming out that they had the equipment, they've been testing it for 15 days, two weeks, and they were getting good results and they're ready to manufacture the machine. There was only 759 deaths and only 14,000 cases, 14,500 cases. So that would give you that 0, 0, 0, 0, 0.00002 death rate, which is insignificant. You're more, that's, that's higher than the death rate of people who get into cars. They're more likely to die of that than of the coronavirus. <laughs> so that's a tiny little death rate. Somebody pointed out to me who read that, you know, 15 days later, and they said, well, the death rate is now already up to 3,000. Oh, okay. Yeah. The death, those are people that have already gotten sick and now have, some of them had passed. And you're dealing with 33 million people, so 3,000, that sounds like, oh, well, 3,000 dead, what, we could have saved them. You could probably save as many people by arresting fat people. Or more. You know, just, you know, everybody, uh, stop serving pot, you know, I'm sorry, sir, you're over 300 pounds, I can't give you any pie. But I want pie. No, I can't give it to you, that it may cause your death. So anyway, so okay, you recalculate with the numbers of 3,611 deaths in England. And you got 33,700,000 people who have already had it. And now, of course, two weeks later, that number of 33 million is probably up to, you know, maybe 40 million. Way over 60% of the people in England have been exposed, had it, and got over it. So what is that death rate? That's going to be a real high one, right? Point zero 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 one. <laughs> it's still a tiny insignificant. The annual flu rate is point one. We're not even up to point zero one yet. And the reality is, is they've probably gone past the sixty percent. But there's going to be a lag because some people have already got it. There's an incubation period. Then if it doesn't, they don't get better in two weeks and they start having respiratory problems, then they go into the hospital. This will be investigated for years by some people. You may not hear about their results on the news, but that's the way it works. There's going to be a little bit of a lag. So we go back to the original predictions. And under the article of Silent Cure, it says anywhere between 80% of infections in adults and to 95% of infections in children that uh, are observed or detected, which is not everybody, because there's a lot more people that aren't detected because nobody does any testing because they have no idea that they're sick. But, you know, like the Diamond Princess where they were testing everybody, it appears to be mild to moderate cases overcome in about two weeks 
with rest at home. This is what the experts were saying way back at the beginning, which is why Fauci was saying this is not any more dangerous than the regular flu virus. and We should not panic. But somehow or other, never let a good crisis go to waste, it became the vogue to get us to panic. Uh, you know, like uh, Richard Epstein at the, at the Hoover Institute writes that a serious flaws in predictions of millions or uh, or more Americans dead from coronavirus is wasn't accurate. He went and did a similar report of the ninety percent. We have one of the reasons we put this article up is so that you can go there and learn for yourself, but also you can share these different sections with people who don't understand because they're watching CNN and CBS and all these other things, and they're fed all kinds of nonsense to panic them. It seems to be an effort to panic them. To, to, because and, and we later on down in, in one of the other sections, uh, we put in a video that was from Ben Swan. Ben Swan's a good investigative reporter. He really looks into a lot of stuff. And uh, so I recommend that you you listen to him, but you still have to take what he says with a grain of salt as well. But, uh, and that would be, you'd find that under uh, comparative lies, because he's actually pointing out they are lying to you. And Tucker Carlson has pointed out some of the things where they're clearly lying to us as well. But uh, the backtracking section, uh, which is under Silent Cure, is showing you how the original models predicting 500,000 dead by uh, Neil Ferguson, I think he's with Oxford as well, in Great Britain. And everybody was publishing that because it was the worst case scenario published by him. He rolled that back from 500,000 to 20,000 or far less. And it may look like it, it may be far less than 20,000 because we may have reached peak already. Yet they're calling out troops. The governor of Oregon is talking about calling out troops. Not just shutting down restaurants as they have already done, but stopping them from takeout because some of the restaurants are staying alive by serving takeout. And they're going to stop them so you can't even get takeout. And uh, now this this gets even more bizarre. Yeah, we've known for quite some time. I know people in uh, working in government trying to figure this out, as well as private citizens organizations trying to figure this out. Cattle prices in America, where you get your beef and your hamburgers, I mean, you know, and all these things, are for the cattlemen. The price of meat. What he gets for his cows on the hoof is half of what it should be. Half. His expenses are the same or higher. But what he's getting per cow is driving cattlemen out of business. Because he's, he's, not get, he's getting a dollar two on the hoof for his cows. But the meat in the stores is higher than ever. Who's making the profit? The major uh, you know, uh, slaughterhouses... Meat packers. Some people like meat packer. It's, it's more friendly. Meat packer companies are reaping huge profits. $500 more per animal than they used to. 
So they're making, but to see, there's only a few of them. There used to be lots of them, but now there's like four major ones. And but and now I heard last night that in Michigan, two major meat packing plants shut down. There's not a shortage of meat to sell. There's not a shortage of meat to buy. Uh, I mean, the, you know, customers. There's plenty that want to buy. Why are they shutting those down? I, I, a dairy here in this county, one of the, there's not a lot of dairies in our county, but it's shutting down. It's selling out. Selling all its animals is just shutting down. Why? Because they can't produce milk? No, they can produce milk. But they're not allowed to get the price. There's not a competitive market for their milk. They're actually making dairy farmers pour out milk while you can go down to the local store and they're rationing milk. You can only buy this much. And milk is not one of those things you can buy ahead like toilet paper. You can only buy so much. They're rationing milk. Because everybody's at home. They're not going to restaurants. Uh, the kids are home. They're drinking a lot of milk. But dairy farmers are made to pour out their milk by federal regulation rather than sell it. And they can only get X amount of dollars for their milk, which can't. So they're shutting down these dairies. You're not going to start them up when you just suddenly say, okay, beef ranchers are selling out. They're going bankrupt. They they spent a lifetime raising a herd, getting the bloodline to where it is, knowing their cows, getting healthy cows. That's hard. That takes a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of diligent work on your animals. Some ranchers do a really good job of that. Others, maybe not so much, but that's free enterprise. But the reality is everybody is being squeezed now. And you're running these people out of business. You can't just start up again next week when you say, okay, everything's over. You can't do that. Oil wells are that are pumping oil out, they're, they're, they're going to have to shut down because nobody's using the fuel. The planes aren't flying. Half the cars aren't on the road. They're going to be shutting down. You can't just start those up again. So this is having huge amount of effect and we still have people thinking we have to keep them shut down for a virus that has a tiny, tiny death rate amongst only the most vulnerable people of society. It would have been cheaper, far cheaper, fractionally cheaper if we simply put every vulnerable person up in a hotel and isolated them, had food brought in, and the laundry dropped with people in hazmat suits, and they go wash their laundry, and they just stay isolated in the hotel till this is over. That would have been cheaper than what we're doing, because it isn't just the cost of the hospitals. It isn't just the cost of the airlines. It's the cost to human beings by the millions all around the world for a virus that appears to have a very low death rate. Now, these uh, testing machines that are coming out, they're producing them in different places. Uh, all the results that we were getting back from New York and Oxford are saying that everybody has already had this virus. Not everybody, of course. There's still going to be more, but 50%. And they didn't even get sick. And, of course, that was the actual statistics coming from the experts from the beginning. It's not coming from the news. It's coming from the experts, from the people who are actually looking at this through the microscope. 
they're saying that 90%, 85% of the people don't even hardly get sick. They don't even know they had the virus. Silently, they have been spreading immunity throughout society. But now that, like I say, they backtracked. Uh, so I wrote the, the, just recently, just last night, I finally posted it up there, the case of the missing estimate. They were, and, and this is what Ben Swan is going to be talking about in this, uh, article about lies. Is that, uh, the, uh, media was holding up, trying to tell you there's going to be this horrible death rate. And this is just horrible reporting. Totally biased reporting, totally incompetent journalism that that aren't even practicing eighth grade math. If I was a teacher, they all fail. They're going to get a failing grade. And the fact is, is the only one who can do anything, the government can't go and throw those guys out of their position. You, the people, have to find out what the truth is. That's your responsibility. If you want to be a free people, you have to take back your responsibility and cut. Stop heaping it on the government. Stop heaping it on men in white coats. Stop heaping it on uh, the media and making them gods of your mind. They're writing upon your heart and upon your mind panic, hate, fear, anxiety. That's what they're writing on your heart because you're not letting God write on your heart. And now going to a church where your pastor tells you you're saved already, but you can keep violating the commands of Christ, he's writing on your heart and your mind. That's not God. If God was writing on your heart and your mind, you would not be running out of the store with three bags of toilet paper for yourself. That's just one barometer. You also would not be looking to the government to take money from your neighbor so that you can have free things. You would not be doing that. You cannot be a Christian and do that. You don't believe in Christ. That is evident by what you do. That's what James is telling you. But you've given them all kinds of power. Now, how much power is being shifted now? Your right to a speedy trial. Your right to a fair trial. Your right to face your accuser. All gone. All gone. Just wave a hat and all gone. But you got your toilet paper, so you're okay, and you might get a check for a thousand dollars. You'll be putting your children into eighty-one thousand dollars in debt, or a hundred thousand dollars in debt. I mean, they're already fifty thousand dollars in debt. I mean, you can look that up on Google. I mean, it's not secret. You've cursed your children with this debt already. They don't own their labor anymore. You've done that. It's not the government. People want to blame the government all the time. It's not the government who's done that. It's you who's done that. So, uh, where do we go from here? What What is going on? So, uh, there's a few other things I talk about the test. And uh, some of the stuff I put down in the footnotes so it's not so heavy to read. If you really think you're sharp and you want to figure out the chemistry of the thing, you can go and look at the footnotes. You can do your own research beyond this. Find any mistakes. You know, I, I find people don't want to hear what's on this, but I don't find anybody who has constructive criticism very often. I actually, uh, one individual wrote a letter using this material. He found one thing that seemed to be a little bit off, and he was right. And then somebody complained that, you know, I had done the math on the 17th and now 
things have changed. Well, I went back and showed, yeah, at this date, this was the answer. At this date, we've gone from 0.00002 to 0.0001. It's still a minuscule death rate. And if everybody, you know, if half the people have already had it or 60% have already had it, that death rate is going to suddenly plummet. But you're still all out of work and you still can't go back to business. And the governor in Oregon is talking about maintaining this curfew through the entire summer to September. What is going on here? Is she, is this ignorance? Is this incompetence? Is this, uh, certainly I know why she wanted to make this state an emergency state right away so they get all this money to come in. And now, now people are starting to talk about what can we do? What can we do? You know, they're actually getting together by phone because you can't have a meeting, public meetings. You don't have the right to freely assemble anymore. Gone. Another right, gone. While you were watching the Super Bowl, gone. Is it because the government took these rights away from you? No, it's because you, you didn't exercise your responsibility and you haven't been doing it. So now you don't know what to do. You know, if you go back and you look at our articles on Article 2, Section 22 of the Oregon Constitution, we can probably find similar uh, kinds of things going on in your own states, in your own countries. In other countries, they're doing the same thing. They constantly let, that's somebody else's job. I don't care what happens to somebody else. I got my toilet paper. That's the metaphor. We're using that metaphor. I mean, there's a lot of other things. They were taking bleach off the counters and flour off the counters and eggs. There's a shortage of eggs. Actually, there's a shortage of eggs now. There's, the producers are still doing, the people who have been feeding you, they're still producing the eggs. The cattle ranchers are still producing the cattle. But the eggs aren't getting to the market because they have a shortage of egg cartons. <laughs> they can't get them to market because they can't get enough egg cartons, which is a paper product. Maybe they all started making toilet paper instead of egg cartons. I don't know. But... Uh, the fact is, is that if we were paying attention to business, this would, wouldn't be a problem. But, uh, this is, this is a great time to get involved with community supported agriculture. And you buy, we sell a few beefs. We don't, we can't feed the nation or anything, but we have a few cows here. And we have more, we produce more meat than we can eat. We have a few sheep here. Mostly to keep the church grounds grazed off so that we can have big meetings there. Uh, the, 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 and to give chores to our kids and our grandkids and things like that. But, uh, the, the reality is our beef, we have no vaccinations in our beef. Uh, they're all grass fed. We don't feed them with GMO corn or any of those things. So they're much healthier for you. And, uh, but you have to buy a whole beef. Because we're, it's illegal for us to butcher it and sell it to you unless we get federally certified. And that's a lot of trouble for a few cows. <laughs> we, we can't afford to do that. But, uh, but you could come and buy a whole cow from us and we could have somebody else butcher it for you. But, uh, anyway, the, that's what you want to do is get a hold of your local farmers, your local ranchers, buy direct. And uh, and if you create a network of people to do this, you become a part of your own supply chain. 
Uh, and that's what Americans have to do. Stop depending upon the cartel-controlled markets and start getting to know the people who are actually putting food on your table. You can still go to Costco. You can still go to Food for Less. You can still go to Safeway and all those things. But you need to get a hold of farmers. They call it community-supported agriculture. Go find out about that. But there was more even... More backpedaling, so we have another thing on backpedaling and our backtracking. Uh, we have, uh, th- these sections are small. You know, it's not a lot of reading if you want to read about the Oxford study and what they were coming up with. That's a whole section. Uh, delaying herd immunity. There are experts saying this is really a bad thing, delaying herd immunity. You want to get through this. And now if we go back to swamping the hospital things, California, they, way back when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor, they set up a deal where they allocated $21 million, $22 million, uh, to building mobile hospitals with thousands of beds that could handle, because they have earthquakes in California. And, uh, so you could have, you know, an earthquake that hit one town and suddenly you need more hospital beds in that town than there are there. Or maybe even the hospital was damaged. They have this mobile hospital that they can set up and start taking care of the people. Well, they spent the money. They can't find the stuff. They know they sold, under the other administrations, they sold off a lot of the beds. And they can't even find all the stuff like we saw in New York. They couldn't find 1,500 ventilators that they lost. But the reality is is there's more to it. We'll give you that when we come back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So I haven't even got into my notes for what things have been changing so regularly, so rapidly. And more and more information is coming out. That's why I mentioned like... uh, Tucker Carlson and Ben Swan is that they actually have been saying things that we've been saying for weeks and weeks, but they're finally getting to the point of saying them. Even some of the senators are now coming back and saying things that we actually told them earlier (laughs) uh, through people that do pay attention to our network, do go to preparingyou.com, do see the research that we've done. And like I say, in the footnotes, you can go and you can look at some of these studies yourself if you want to spend the time. We already spent the time in order to be of service to you so that you don't panic and, you know, learn how to handle uh, flu viruses when they come around and illnesses when they come around so you can do it yourself and the more you come together and network and the more you find out who is reliable and who is not reliable instead of just turning on CNN and thinking you're getting the truth you have to seek out the truth that's part of seeking the kingdom of God you have to do it by seeking righteousness don't try to you know, turn in your neighbor for a fictional danger that he went to a restaurant and sat down with other people. That's actually not a bad thing. That is a good thing. But they're keeping you from doing it. So now I'm hearing in the, in feedback through our network, through people who are in government that are saying that they're beginning, when they're realizing they've been lied to, we've shown you two places where they, they've clearly lied to you. I can show you a half a dozen more. Uh, but we just go on and on, where they're giving out misinformation. And uh, so I, we, we just, I just gave you the, the Ben Swan 
article and, and video that he put out. And we show you the statistics there in the comparative lies section of preparing you. You can see that there. And he's showing you that they were comparing cases, which are the most severe cases that were testing was allowed. They don't t- test in, in, uh, mild or moderate cases, only in severe cases. And then they show you how many of the severe cases died. They don't tell you in the same story that 95% to 80, uh, no, 90% to 85, or was it 85 to 95? percent of the people who get this are mild or asymptomatic. They don't even have symptoms. They don't tell you about that. So they compare the numbers of the most severe cases and they still only got up to 3.4. SARS and, uh, and MERS had much higher rate of death. But again, SARS and MERS were testing severe cases. You may have got SARS and MERS and not shown any symptoms. You don't know. You have to go and test for the actual antibodies in order to know. But we may know, but by the time we know, they've already got the National Guard (laughs) activated. None of them keeping social distancing. (laughs) Uh, They've already shut down businesses, crippled economies, uh, devastated, you know, people are using up their savings. They've put you, the entire nation, in greater and greater debt. And they're doing this all around the world. Shutting down Nigeria. Shutting down South Africa. Shutting down Australia. What are they doing? What are they up to? And so, anyway, I asked that question. What's going on? And I'm not going to read it because I actually think I may be wrong about some of the things in it. Not really wrong, wrong, but I could be a little bit more accurate and put some of the more of the pieces of the puzzle together. And I, I'm actually not going to share with you all the stuff that has come across my desk because I don't really know how true all of it is. But it's starting to look like pieces. I, I, had certain moments when I heard certain things and it seemed like that's important, but I didn't know why until I heard more things and then I start connecting the dots. And one of the interesting things was this loan now from the Federal Reserve to do all this trillions of dollars and evidently there's going to be more. That was another thing. They said this is just the first of many well, why do we have to have many? How long are we going to go on with this shutdown? Why are we shut down? Were we really sent to the room, our rooms, so they could rob the bank? Certainly there are people robbing the bank right now. There are people that are appropriating millions of dollars and you're never going to see it as the peons, as the people. You're not going to get those millions of dollars. So why are we pulling up all these troops? Are we going to go around like the South African police and force people back into their homes with guns? Are we going to do it like they did in China where they actually locked people in their own homes so that they couldn't come out and they died in their homes? Are we going to do that? Is that what somebody asked? Well, I don't think so. I think something's going on that's a lot more serious. But you, what you should do is join the network and is and that's how we're going to... We're going to discuss it with as, as the information will flow it down through the network that God told us to create 
Moses told us to do that. Jesus told us to do that. Even Jethro had the common sense to do that. You don't, you don't realize the only way to operate in a free society is through a voluntary society. In order to voluntary, uh, take care of society efficiently, you have to get into a network of like tens, hundreds, and thousands. Ten families get together, they pick somebody they trust not to tickle their ears from a pulpit every week, but to connect them with the rest of society so that they can love the rest of society as much as they love themselves. Not so that they can get all the toilet paper off the shelf and all the meat and all the rice and all the beans off the shelf so that they will have food while others starve. So what are you doing? Are you joining a network like Christ commanded? Are you trying to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity? Are you trying to be finding out the whole truth and provide for it in a righteous way? Not a selfish way, but a righteous way. Not a covetous way, but a righteous way. Not a way of debt, but a righteous way. And what is righteous? So, you're not getting your ears tickled here today. So anyway, there's also the Mount Sinai deal. So you can go read those things, at what is going on, and familiarize yourself with these different articles. I'm sure there's still some typos in them. You can notify us, uh, join the network, and then you notify that minister, or you just post it on the network, because the network is based on geography. The idea is to get you together locally. And like I mentioned, the Article 2, Section 22, I didn't tell you what that was this time. For those of you who might be new, it's simply that the governor of Oregon who wants to call up troops and shut down all these businesses is not the legitimate governor of Oregon. It's easy to prove in five minutes. We put up whole articles on it. We put up recordings on it. And the reason we're doing this, not to meddle in the politics of Oregon, because we have to... Divide the truth, not just the bread from house to house, not just the meat from house to house. We have to rightly divide the truth. And what we see, the problem we see is not the fact that the governor knows she doesn't have a right to the office and she should step down. By law, she's required to forfeit the office. She doesn't even have a right to be in the office. And she's actually committed a felony an un, unclassified felony so the courts could classify it she could do jail time for what she's done holding that office extracting millions upon millions of dollars from the people redistributing and set, setting up uh, she's signing executive orders that's all in violation of the law and I say this for the good of her own soul as well because you cannot bear this false witness you cannot do this extortion of power and money if you violated the Constitution to get office. And it specifically says in the Constitution she forfeited her office already. And she continues to do it because she's continually taking millions of dollars from donors, even though she's not going to run again, but millions of dollars that are being donated into a private account for her against the law And she's getting away with it. She's getting away with it because more than half of all the senators and people holding public office sworn to abide by the Constitution are violating the same 
Article 2, Section 22. And until people step up and admit, I've done wrong. And we have to enforce the Constitution as it is written. You're not going to have a free government. And if you let your guy, your favorite guy, stay in office, when you have the power to say you don't have a right to that office because it's already written down, you have to read to him the Constitution daily like it says in Deuteronomy. You do. And hold him to it. You're you're going to stay under martial law. You're going to stay controlled. And whatever is coming down the pike, you will have no control over it. And the reason you don't is because you haven't sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands to care about your neighbor, to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. I know ministers, nice guys, who think that when it says, visit the sick, visit the widows and orphans of society, that that means to go by and say hi. And shake their hands and tell them you love them and all that stuff. No, it means to take care of them. But instead, those same men who say that they are ministers of Christ send their own congregation to men who exercise authority one over the other that call themselves benefactors but only give what they take away from their neighbor. You have created a selfish society. And even if you don't want to read the Bible, you can read Polybius, who is a historian of historians, who said that this will change the nature of society. We've done that. You cannot go back any more than that rancher who sells off those cows he took 20, 30 years to develop. He can't get that back by saying, oh, I think I'll go back into the cow business. It's gone. It's done. And you can't suddenly become a moral people. You can become a moral individual. You can do what Christ said and what Christ commanded, which was to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, so that you can rightly divide the bread from house to house. There are... They're running dairy farmers out of business. They're running cattle farmers out of business. They're, 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 they actually are closing down gardening. Uh, in, uh, this is the mindset. I guess this is in Vermont, maybe New Jersey. I, I, I just found out last night and I sent out feelers to find out if this is true, but Walmart can't sell seeds and gardening supplies in Vermont now, supposedly. Because that's not essential. Only essential things. Well, we have a, on a positive note, we had a, a California sheriff say that guns and ammo are an essential business and he let the gun stores open up in his county in California. I assume he's a more rural county, probably not LA county, but anyway, the, the reality is you have to start caring about your neighbor. I'm not a survivalist. Survivalists go out and say, I'm going to survive, you know, at any cost. And they start massing up stuff for themselves. Now, I'm kingdom-oriented. And the kingdom-oriented person has to love his neighbor as himself. He does not have to cast pearls to swine. He doesn't have to take care of somebody simply because they're poor. But he has to care about his neighbor as much as he cares about himself. And that has a different way of thinking. And we've lost that in America. We used to have that coming in in the pioneer days. Of course, there's always been selfish people around in those days too. 
But there were a large number of people who cared about their neighbor, who took care of their neighbor, who provided for their neighbor. And they, and in turn, their neighbor took care of them and provided for them when they were well off or better off. And that's what it was from the beginning in the early church. They met every week, not to tickle the ears of the people. They would educate them. They would read from the scriptures that they had that wasn't from the Bible. It was from the Old Testament and from the writings that were coming down to them. The Bible wasn't written yet. It wouldn't be written until, you know, a symbol, let's put it that way, until around 300-something A.D., but they read the letters that were passing around through the network, Paul's letters, etc., survived because the people would rewrite them and pass them around through the network. But what they were really doing was they were sitting down, taking care of the needy of their society through faith, hope, and charity instead of fealty, force, and violence, which is fear. That's what everybody fears. Not just the virus, but the violence. Well, today is the virus, tomorrow is the violence. You need to do what Christ said. That is the only solution for what we see and what we don't see. Because there's much we don't see. And I'm not going to share all that on the radio. We'll share it through the network with those who are actually... Christ, when people were hungry, when there was a shortage... When they were out there in the wilderness, there wasn't enough food. The apostles were talking about enough food for themselves. They they said, Christ said, okay, make all the people sit down into tens, hundreds, and thousands. And like there's there's 20,000 men and their families there. Is that right? Am I getting that number? I may get that wrong. <laughs> but anyway, there was a lot of people there. It took a while. For all the the people to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And he didn't distribute anything until then. And the only thing he distributed was the last of the bread and food that they had. They shared out with the people. What happened? The people started sharing with each other. They And they were able to do so in an orderly fashion because they were doing what Christ commanded to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And this is what you see in the early church when the dursts were coming through Syria and different parts of the Roman Empire and volcanoes and all these things going on and earthquakes and, and wars and rumors of wars and armies marching through. They sat down every week and those that had, this is the first thing they say, those that had shared with those that did not have enough. And they got through those. It tells about some of the plagues that came through in the following years. And after one major plague went through and was devastating, the historians say, and suddenly Christianity became very popular. As Rome declined and fell through corruption, through incompetence, through all the different, uh, the tyranny and conspiracy theories, you know, of, uh, you know, people vying for power, never letting a good crisis go to waste. But eventually they all turned on each other. All those people vying for power, they begin to rob power from each other and they end up destroying each other. I mean, they were going through 
you know, an emperor every month there for a while. You know, they this guy was our salvation, then they assassinated him. Then this guy was our salvation, and then they took him out and killed him. And then this guy was our... And it just went on like that. It was just crazy. People vying for that power. That's not... That's... That we see that spirit certainly going on behind the scenes. You know, that, that one of the stories, the $25 million of the Kennedy Center was put in there by Schumer. Schumer said, oh, we want $35 million, and Trump settled for $25 million in order to get the bill signed. To give this relief for, not for the virus, but for the shutdown. The shutdown is coming from the government, not from the virus. The virus isn't really killing that many people. And it's only people that were already dying of all kinds of other things. Mostly. There's a few that will. But that happens every year. I mean, what do we get? Twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 deaths every year from flu. In the United States alone. You know, at March, what was it? March 11th, I think, the worldwide total was only like 40,000. That's out of 7 billion people. Almost, I think, almost 8 billion people. I don't know, 7 billion anyway. Uh, that's a very low death rate. That's not like the death rates we see of real plagues. But anyway, that's what, uh, so he wanted the $25 million and he goes in there, goes to the Kennedy Center and the Kennedy Center shuts down and lays off all the musicians and people anyway. And now they're suing the Kennedy Center to get that money back. Some people are trying, so they got to go to court. But they have to keep social spacing so they can put off that court case for a year. Meanwhile, they got $25 million and they shut it down. Well, who's one of the people that runs the uh, Kennedy Center? Pelosi's daughter. This is the kind of stuff that goes on all the time. She's getting her money. But, uh, so what is it? What is it? This is graph and... Supposedly, they took $5 million of that $25 million and gave to the Democratic Party. So the Democratic Party wangled in $25 million to go to them and they gave $5 million in kickback to the Democratic Party and Schumer and Pelosi. Pelosi's got her daughter working there. So what is all this? What's going on? This has nothing to do with the relief bill for the... For the poor people that they are devastating with their shutdown. But you deserve the government you got because you won't come together as Christ commanded and care about one another as much as you care about yourself. You certainly don't care about righteousness. You care about what you can get. That's got to stop. You can't make other people stop that. But you can become that light on the hill by doing what Christ said and gathering together. Stop procrastinating. Christ had trouble with the procrastinators. Oh, we'll come and get together and create an entire social welfare system, a Corbin system that operates by faith, hope, and charity like Christ was doing. But meanwhile, we're going to keep taking from the Corbin of the world that operates by fealty and force and fear. We're going to keep taking from them, or maybe we're not taking yet. I won't take until I'm real old. But right now you're young and you're working and you're not contributing to the kingdom of God. Because you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and at least beginning to care about the ten families you're with 
And then those ten families have to care about the other families as much as they care about their own. It's a different way of thinking. And, and you will come up with different solutions to the problem. And you will be able to see the truth because you will bring the light of the Holy Spirit into your congregations. But you have to sit down every week not to be entertained or to have your ears tickled, but to actually say, what can we do to seek the truth and provide for it? Because Christ is the truth. Christ doesn't need your money. Christ doesn't need your daily bread. If you want to have Christ, you have to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. Moses said that. Jesus said that. The apostles say that. That's what's seeking the kingdom of God rather than the solutions of the world and the governments of the world. But if you were to start to do that, character would start coming back to you that you didn't know you lost through becoming accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for your livelihood on the property of others, which has degenerated society so that they are like panic. I mean, I just stood there in the first big store I came to when we went to town a couple of weeks ago. I just stood there and watched the people shopping. I could feel the panic and fear in them. That's not good for your health. That will strangle your immune system. Because you're already in the flight mode, not the fight mode. Uh, you might be fighting over toilet paper, but you are really in the flight mode. You are operating from fear, not from righteousness. You would have seen something different in that store. I did see a few people in that store that had that spirit of Christ in them. But they lack knowledge. Well, if you want those people who will see the truth and provide for it, you need to create the network. I'm not creating the network. I do all this work. I stay up till midnight writing these things, doing this research. I research on my phone every chance I get. But, and I put this together for you, and like some people have used it, and they've rewritten letters taking these pieces that are all put there together and categorized and they send it out and they're changing the minds of people because they're finding out the knowledge they lack. You can be a part of that. Join the network. And until you join the network and seek the kingdom of God, all I can say is peace upon your house and may God be with you. So go to hisholychurch.org or preparingyou.com And we'll see you there. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.